In an analysis in the BMJ, members of the editorial team of the Cochrane Injuries Group argue that the knowledge system underpinning healthcare is deeply flawed, with medical literature flooded with poor quality and biased trials and systematic review processes that do not do enough to overcome these problems. I'm Navjotlada, analysis editor, and I'm joined now by one of the authors of the analysis, Professor Ian Roberts of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Hello, Ian. Hello, good morning. Ian, thanks so much for joining us. Um, To start with, can you explain for those who are unfamiliar, what is the systematic review ideally trying to achieve? So the doctors depend and patients depend on on results from randomized controlled trials of medical treatments to know if those treatments are safe and effective. Now, what they would like to know is what's the totality of the evidence? If you summarized all the evidence from clinical trials on this particular treatment, what does it show? And you'd get the, um, you'd get the best overall result if you could sort of summarize all of the data. But in fact, that's really that's that's the ideal situation, um, but that's not what happens. And the uh, the problems with systematic reviews is what this article is about. Okay, and that's interesting because systematic reviews have been held up. You know, if you have a kind of hierarchy of evidence, they're right up there at the top. Um, but as you explain in the article, there are some problems with that process. Can you describe them for us now? Well, the main problem is is the quality of the inputs into systematic reviews is increasingly often completely outrageously bad. So you can put any amount of methodological gloss on a collection of research evidence, but if the basic research evidence that's going into that process is completely rubbish, then any amount of methodological gloss won't give you the right answer. And the reasons that it's rubbish are... First, some of it is simply made up because playing this publication game is good for doctors' careers. So they want to have a publication, but they never actually do the trial. At the moment, when pe- people take th- when people review the evidence, they take these sy- they take these clinical trial documents, these trial reports, but they make no effort whatsoever to see if the trial actually ever took place or if the things that are written down by the author in the manuscript were actually true. We market this as trusted evidence, and all the evidence is taken on trust. I just don't think that's good enough. So we've proposed, um, you know, we've introduced within our group, we'll do some statistical checks on, on, on the results. And if they don't look right, we'll contact the authors and say, look, you know, can you, we're, we're thinking of including this data in a systematic review. Can you just, you know, can you sh- provide some evidence that this trial actually took place? Can you send us the actual data that you collected? So this will be one, one possible strategy, as one of many, I would imagine, to counter research misconduct, which is a, a, a problem for, for us all. You know, if you work at a journal, if you're acting on those results, there it's a, a big problem. Um, and you also talk about problems with a medical literature that's becoming inundated with kind of low quality trials, trials that are underpowered, trials that are single centred. What's the issue with those? You can make an analogy with a running race, like, like the run- London Marathon. So 
at the moment, systematic reviews are based on trials that get across the finishing line. But people who finish are different from the people who start. So if you wanted to know some average quantity about all of the runners in the race, that's what you'd really want to know. But if you just base the evidence on the finishers, you know, you're going to get, a, you're going to get the wrong answer. The finishers will be fitter and leaner than, the st than all the starters. So what we're proposing is actually, look, systematic reviews should be based on the starters list and not the finishers list. Now, that's actually what trial registration is about. And trial registration was designed to solve the problem of publication bias. But we've ignored this solution. And our group is saying, well, look, that's what it's for. So let's do it. And then you go to the starters list. You say, I'm going to include these in my systematic review. If so, and if you find, well, look, of the starters, only half of them finish. Well, let's find the ones who started but didn't finish and see what the results of those studies showed. And then you'd get the right answer. And so we're not proposing anything radical. We're just proposing some obvious solutions to the problem of dodgy inputs into systematic reviews. And we don't think the, the Cochrane Collaboration, who markets itself as the most kind of, you know, the best evidence, the home of evidence, you know, it's been slow to actually take steps to one, tackle fraud and two, tackle publication bias. And we hope that this article will stimulate some debate in this organisation. So a lot of healthcare practitioners will look to Cochrane Reviews to provide summaries of the best available evidence and then make decisions, healthcare decisions, with their patients based on the evidence that's presented there. What, what does that mean for that evidence base that's there? What, how can um, people read those reviews now? People need to have a healthy scepticism. They need to be aware that Cochrane systematic reviews are based largely on public on published information you know many reviews try and find unpublished trials but it's largely the published information and most of that information is taken on trust so you know what people write in these manuscripts we, we trust them that that's true now i think the world's changed we can't trust people anymore because there's millions of doctors in the world that are playing this publication game you know they're playing it for their careers and so sometimes the you know some of these trials never took place and some of the things that are written in these publications are simply not true that's the first reason for skepticism the second reason is actually you're seeing the good news because there's selective publication of clinical trial results the bad news is often you know uh, left out of the medical literature Side effects aren't complete, aren't properly reported. So there needs to be a healthy scepticism. I think results from very large, multi-center clinical trials, prospectively registered, you know, they're all, they're completely public. I do big clinical trials. We've got, you know, we might have 400 centers in a clinical trial. Well, that, everybody knows that trial's not fabricated because there's so many witnesses. But these little, you know, single-centred trials from individual hospitals, just one doctor, a couple of doctors, you know, we need to be a little bit more sceptical, I think. So with these large multi-centred trials, what, what effect does sort of adding the 
kind of small single center single center trials to that to that sort of pool of evidence that you have for a systematic review do you get sort of closer to the truth does it distort it away what what do you think oh it's a good question it's a really good question i've i've debated this myself many times because we you know if you get a you know multi-center a, a mega trial and you put it in a Cochrane and you add it up with all this little single center stuff are you getting closer or further away from the truth i really don't know i'm skeptical though i think it could be further from the truth i think sometimes these these m- big trials you know they took place they were prospectively registered they've got lots of statistical power they're usually good quality because people you can only get money to do something really big if it's good quality. And you add it up add it together with all the little bits and bobs. Good question. Need some empirical evidence for that one. Yeah. I mean, does is this stuff the kind of stuff that the Cochrane methodology groups look at? Do they like how actively involved are they in sort of assessing this kind of thing? Well, I think the the, the the publication bias and the fraud issues, they're really hard problems. And so actually, a lot of people spend a lot of time describing the problems. And there's been, you know, actually, there's almost a small industry of methodological research on publication bias. It must have been described thousands of times now. But actually, nobody's doing anything about it. You know, it's about fixing these problems, not describing them. That's that. That's important. I mean, there is growing recognition of of these problems and we're starting to see systematic reviews where a lot of work has gone into finding the available evidence. So the Cochrane review on Tamiflu is an example of that. Um, That took a lot of dedication and work. So how can this be approached in kind of a pragmatic way, you know, that for the people that are authoring the reviews and for those that are reading them? I completely agree with you. You know, reviews you could hardly call them reviews anymore. They're often longer than all of the trial reports put together. So um, I think they do need to be, uh, strategies need to be put in place to make them more readable. Um, And I think our strategies will help. So if you only focus on prospectively registered trials, you just get the, first of all, you avoid this, you can help avoid the problem of publication bias, but also you focus on the good quality trials. Um, if people now, trial registration has been compulsory from t- since 2005, if people now don't know that they ought to register a randomized controlled trial at inception, before, you know, before they start, then they really don't know much about randomized controlled trials at all. And, and the prospect that they're going to do, you know, it's, go- it's going to be a very high quality trial is very unlikely. So the serious... The, the trials that contain proper research information are nearly always prospectively registered. So I think if we cut out all of the rubbish, all of the publications, so small single center trials that are not there to actually inform patient care, to make, med, to make healthcare safer and more effective, they're there to get a line on somebody's CV so they can get promoted. We want to cut all of that out. And when it's all of that rubbish is cut out, they'll be easier to produce and easier to read. Excellent. Well, on that note, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. And um, that article is now available on the bmj.com. <laughs>